Brian Windhorst, as we enter another NBA All-Star Weekend, how are you feeling about this event right now? I'd like to say that the, this current era of NBA players have accomplished something incredible, and it's taken years to get us here. Uh, a lot of effort and hard work was put into it, but they have finally achieved it. And last year, we had the worst All-Star game anybody has ever seen. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be a part of a, a great weekend, great players, but that is the worst basketball game ever played. Would you rather have more defensive intensity throughout the game or more free-flowing off? Money talks. So, I mean, you, the more incentives, I think guys would take it seriously. Or is it fun playing in a game with relatively no defense at all? Yeah, you don't want to be that guy that's just like, you know, out there hustling and, you know, body checking and, you know. The All-Star Game, for many years, has been seen as a crown jewel. And now, that's up for debate. Clinton, do you know who the current slam dunk champion is? No chance. Do you know who the current three-point contest champion is? Less of a chance. Do you have any idea who won the All-Star Game last year? No. And here we have the major problem. That is a problem on several levels. Number one, this is supposed to be a signature NBA event. Number two, it's media rights time. The NBA is trying to sell its media rights to partners, and the NBA is trying to sell this as a premium product. Brian Windhorst isn't the only one with an axe to grind against NBA All-Star Weekend. Traditionally a major event on the NBA calendar, recent additions have seen declining ratings and declining relevance, culminating in record low viewership last year. So today, Wendy explains what's gone wrong, why the players no longer care to win this thing, and why it will be a hard problem to fix. I'm Clinton Yates. It's Friday, February 16th. This is ESPN Daily. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Brian, you've written this piece on the state of the NBA All-Star Game right now, and it starts with this. Imagine an NBA All-Star Game where one superstar broke another superstar's nose by playing aggressive defense at the rim. Then picture one of the greatest players in the history of the game angrily chiding another all-time great at the final horn of an All-Star Game, no less because one of them passed up taking the final shot. Tell us, Wendy, what exactly was going on here? That actually happened the same night in 2012 at the All-Star Game in Orlando. 
where Dwayne Wade actually was trying to play basket defense on Kobe Bryant with eight minutes to play in the third quarter and broke his nose trying to challenge a shot. By way, first flagrant foul. That was a pretty hard foul yeah. because Kobe has drawn blood. Well, I was wondering which team was going to draw first blood. And a couple of days later, the Heat, Wade's team was about to play the Lakers, and Dwayne was worried that there was hard feelings. And so he called Kobe up and said, Hey, I'm sorry about hitting you in the face there. And Kobe's like, I loved it because Kobe set the standard that he wanted competitiveness in the All-Star game. And it happened later in that game. Kobe, there was a timeout in the final possession, about 10 seconds left. Kobe asked to defend LeBron. Kobe all over James. It's rejected. Kobe's making this personal against LeBron. The West was up by two. He assumed that LeBron was going to take the last shot, go for a three. Kobe wanted to win the game with his defense. James played by Bryant. Darren Williams off the pick. Coming up way short. When LeBron passed up the last shot, not once, but twice. Down to three seconds. And Griffin picks it off. And is fouled with 1.1 to go. Even though the West won the game, Kobe ended the game cussing LeBron out, angry he didn't take the last shot. And the funny thing about that, Clinton, is that even in that time, people were lamenting, boy, this All-Star game has no competitiveness. Well, if Kobe could see us now. Well, the natural follow-up to that, Brian, is obviously, for those who don't know, how does this compare to the more recent iterations of the All-Star game? Well, it has gotten worse and worse. Really, in the mid-2010s, at one point, the defense got so non-existent that we twice had the winning team score over 190 points. Curry puts off the boards for Davis. <laughs> oh, why not? Put up 50 in the All-Star game in your host town. That'll do it. The West 192 and the East 182 in another offensive record-breaking game. In one game, there was... 83 dunks. And I'm telling you, I watch, I rewatched the footage, Clinton, like somewhere in the 90% range. Not only were the dunks not contested, the only player on the floor jumping was the guy dunking. And then the NBA discovered the three point shot about 2018. And so instead of there being uncontested dunks, we saw the era of the uncontested three pointer. And all the way up to one year, there was 167 three-pointers taken between the two teams in one All-Star game. And just for fun, the players started shooting further and further out to the point where it wasn't unusual for the players to just pull up from half court uh, last season in the extremely forgettable game in Salt Lake City. shooting display. Oh, Damian Lillard, sweet stroke. Brown for three. Oh, oh. look at yeah. Too small. Too little. <laughs> Too little. You said it was the worst game ever last year. What in particular was so bad? Clinton, I didn't say that. One of the coaches in the game, Michael Malone, said that. 
It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be a part of a, a great weekend, great players, but that is the worst basketball game ever played. How do you fix it? Uh, I don't know if you can fix it. That That is a tough game to sit through. I'm not going to lie. But as you wrote, the league has recognized the issue and tried to address it. What have they changed as a result? So in about 2018, the league realized this trend was getting out of hand. It was already a multi-year trend, but they tried to get the players to buy into it more. And they decided to scrap the East versus West traditional teams. And they decided to have the highest vote getter from each conference become the team captain. And they would pick teams like you would on the playground. This created some more intrigue, but almost no more competitiveness in the game. After a couple more years of that, um, the league decided to take another step, which was to implement what was known as the Elam ending in 2020. Uh, And what they did there was, is that they set a target score uh, where the team would have to score and hit that target without a clock. And whoever got to that target first would be the winner of the game. And then there were individual competitions for charity dollars for each quarter. And if all this sounds confusing, it was. Nobody knew who was playing on which team. Nobody could keep track of who was actually winning. Then in the fourth quarter, there was no way to really truly understand the game flow. That did create a little bit more competition, especially in the first year they tried it in Chicago. But eventually that became a mess too. And nothing, Clinton, was more of a mess than last year when they picked the teams. Instead of doing it several days in advance like they've done in the past, they picked the teams the evening of the All-Star game with players having to switch locker rooms shortly before the game. Fans knew for about an hour who was on each team and it created absolute sloppy chaos. I didn't hate the Elam ending and I actually thought picking on the court was a little closer to like regular basketball. I mean, if they had done it at the game time and said, hey, we're all here. Just go to one side or the other. I think that would have added a touch of Do you know why history. they picked it on the court before the game, Clinton? Because LeBron, who is being captain for the sixth consecutive year, and I guess I don't really blame him for getting a little bit tired of this. Um, he didn't even arrive in Salt Lake City until the day of the game. He was granted um, leave for personal reasons. So they couldn't really do it in advance like they wanted to, a day or two in advance like they wanted to. He arrived in Salt Lake City picked the teams the day of the games and said, boy, this was a great weekend. Thank you so much, Utah. And then left immediately after the game. He wasn't even there for 12 hours. Obviously, the league cannot be pleased with the product going out on All-Star Weekend. But how about the players? Like, does this matter to any of them? Do any of them want it to be different? Or is it just kind of what it is? I, I think they do want it to be different. When, you know, I think Paul George really summarized it last year. So I was kind of in that... You know, that middle of, like, all right, do I play hard? Like, <laughs> do I just, you know, be comfortable? You don't want to be the only one. Yeah, you don't want to be that guy that's just, like, you know, out there hustling and, you know, yeah. body checking. And, yeah. You know, so you do float that line of, uh, you know, for a guy like me that, you know, love, like to play on the defensive side. You know, LeBron has given so much to the league. Giannis Antetokounmpo has given so much to the league. I don't want to criticize them, but it has been the superstar players who have set the tone that it is okay to loaf through the event and no one has checked them on it. Um, And that really is the absence of Kobe Bryant, who truly did 
even in an era where they thought the all-star competitiveness was was slipping, Kobe set the standard about how to play in all-star games. And really since Kobe's retirement, that's where the game has basically gotten out of hand. The all-star game in general needs a little revamping because it used to be competitive. Yeah. It used to be competitive. And like you know, fans want to see the best pickup game in the world. Yeah. That's what this is. They don't yeah. want to see you running up and down and dunking and doing all this crazy like they want to see the what happens when you get this collection of best basketball players on the planet and they play and they go head up against each other. Man. Yeah. I always love competing in them. Um, I didn't lose many of them. Are you of the belief that the players are the only people that can turn this around? Is there any way to sort of, I don't want to say financially motivate people, but how do you get somebody to care about the job they already do? Well, the NBA does need to do the players a couple of favors, and they are intending to do that this year. You know, one of the things that the players talked about was all of the pregame pomp and circumstance, the very long, drawn-out introductions, all of the ceremonies, all of the sponsorship elements. That made it impossible to truly prepare for the game. The NBA wasn't treating it like a real basketball game, so why should the players? Um, And it was the NBA that decided to do these captains. That wasn't called for necessarily by the players. So the league hasn't put them in the best place to succeed. And so this year, the NBA has really tried a league-wide effort led by Adam Silver to, quote, get back to basketball. And that means not as much resting during the regular season, really trying to focus in and make sure the players are uh, in good condition and a little bit more rested for national television games. And that includes going to a more traditional format in the All-Star game. So gone is the Elam ending. Gone are the team captains picking the team's playground style. Back is the traditional East versus West. Gone are going to be a lot of the pregame uh, ceremonies and histrionics and in, in, you know, introductions. They're going to try to get through it fast so the players can warm up and play closer to a regular season game. The audience numbers back this up, Brian. Last year, the fewest viewers in more than two decades. It would seem that this isn't just isolated to the game either. We talked about the dunk contest, the three-point contest. No buzz around this. I mean, the big stars no longer compete. We've always talked about LeBron James not being in the dunk contest. What is that part about? Well, I think the players realize that the dunk contest had more downside than upside. If you didn't win as a high-profile player, it was kind of, you know, you were thought to have failed. And so the league also leaned into this 20 years ago when the, the sponsors of the dunk contest, which at the time was Sprite, was really looking to attract a young audience. And so it, they wanted young players to be in the dunk contest, sort of to go along with their marketing campaign. So the standard that all-stars would dunk it just eroded away. And then it got to the point where it wasn't even like name players. And I will educate you that last year's slam dunk champion was Mac McClung. Oh, right. I I knew that. Sorry. I forgot about that. He he went to Georgetown. What am I talking about? Basically barely played in the NBA in his career. He has had a cup of coffee at best in the NBA. He is a terrific dunker. uh, And it was a great show that he put on. Here comes McClung. Oh, yes. Hezzy. That's a Hezzy. Yeah, yeah, that's a ooh. And that might be an ah, too. Uh, You see how everyone's standing, including us? but it did not further the excitement about players in the NBA, much less even young players in the NBA like it used to be. 
I'm embarrassed because I was the one on national TV on Around the Horn no, you yelling shouldn't and be screaming em- that Mac was going to bang everybody, and he did. Well, you shouldn't be embarrassed because this is the exact problem. They It doesn't move forward the marketing excitement around the game, with all due respect to Mac. Coming up, we try to pin down why exactly the players have lost interest in winning the All-Star game. Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs of real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit WonderfulPistachios.com to learn more. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. We've talked about the problem a lot. It's clear the players are no longer motivated to compete in this game. Why do you think that mindset has shifted in terms of the personal pride? Is there any Kobe in anybody out here at this stage? Well, I think because the game is now not viewed as the most important thing of the weekend. The weekend has become a huge entertainment event. It's become a huge event for parties, for um, social media, for product launches, for satisfying sponsors. It's become a time where players pack their schedule uh, for the three days leading up to the event. And the, the game itself is something that no one even really thinks about. I remember thinking how ridiculous this all became in 2016 when the All-Star game was in New York. LeBron James actually filmed a car commercial in between stopping at two events on All-Star Friday. His car pulled up, he got out, he talked with the director of the commercial for about 30 seconds, did two or three takes, got back in the car and went to the next event. And I was like, wow. The guy's schedule is so packed over All-Star Weekend, he filmed a commercial during a red light, essentially. And so how can you expect LeBron to perform in the game on on Sunday night when you are packing his schedule, not just the NBA, but also his own operation with so many things to do? The NHL does this mini games format. They have a little mini tournament. Is there any validity to that in terms of how the NBA might do something to sort of drum up a little interest just in terms of shorter competitions. I don't think the NBA can put anything off the table. I think they've spent a lot of time trying to think about this, but they've tried complexity. 
They've tried games within games. They've tried adding new elements. They've tried changing up the teams. One of the things people have called for is a one-on-one tournament on All-Star Saturday. People have called for a USA versus the world, especially since the last five MVPs have been international players. Um, But I actually think a back-to-basics concept is the best. Let's get back to the way everybody grew up watching it when the game was in a better place. And if they can, you know, get some better momentum going that way, maybe you can look at adding other stuff. We all know the original appeal of the All-Star Game was to bring the stars together at a time when you didn't always see them in the same place. The media world was different. People weren't as exposed. It was a special deal to see all these people in their sort of regular lives. I can think about Shaq with the camcorder and all these other things where you're like, oh, all right, that's just the everyday person that he is. Nowadays, and everybody's so exposed, everybody's got a podcast, everybody's got a channel, you kind of already get that. What do you think the NBA All-Star Weekend should be trying to achieve as a result? I'm not sure the All-Star Weekend is extremely useful in today's day and age. Especially with the NBA pivoting to the in-season tournament, the in-season tournament this year felt like sort of a all-star weekend light in Las Vegas with, you know, lots of branding and lots of stuff around it. But it was really about the competition. And if the in-season tournament is going to remain a fixture on the NBA schedule that people can plan for, if it's going to become an event, that could maybe take the place of All-Star Weekend. And the, the teams could, um, could get some time off mid-season. I find it unlikely, even though I could see that, because it's, it's something that the NBA sells. It's a, it's a premium product, at least right now it has been, for the TV networks. But honestly there was a much better purity to the in-season tournament weekend experience in Las Vegas than I've ever felt in the over dozen all-star games I've attended. This is kind of an issue across pro sports though. We've seen the pro bowl go away. People kind of think the MLB all-star game is diluted. Do you watch any other all-star games? Are you just of this opinion because you cover the NBA? Clinton, I didn't watch last year's all-star game. So judging from all of your opinions, you're not particularly excited about Indianapolis this weekend? I am definitely going to tune in to see if the trend can be reversed, if the boat has started turning, so to speak. Um, But that is purely from a fascination standpoint. It is not because I am excited to see these guys get together and play. And that's a shame because I do remember as a kid um, watching, you know, Dr. J in these all-star games, watching Magic watching Jordan, you know? Um, I remember the first All-Star game uh, I was at, it being a really big deal who the MVP was, which was Shaquille O'Neal that year. Pass deflected out to Shaquille O'Neal, and he's got it in. Did you see that body control? What unbelievable balance and agility for a guy seven feet tall and about 260. I remember watching Jordan, you know, in his final All-Star game and hit a three-pointer with four seconds left that sent the game to double overtime. Can you imagine an All-Star game going to overtime at all? <laughs> Absolutely not. Much less double overtime? Got a lot of minutes. Michael with 36 minutes, 27 shot attempts, 9 for 27. And uh, this one is over in double OT for the first time in NBA All-Star history. You know, 30 years ago, in 1993, there was 65 fouls in the All-Star game. Probably too many, but as an indication of the way the game was played. 
In 2023, there were seven. Let's have a game where there's like 35. Let's see if we can strive for that in Indianapolis. Thank you, Brian. Have fun in Indiana. Uh, Clinton, I won't be going. <laughs> I'm Clinton Yates. This has been ESPN Daily. Our show is produced by Bruce Baldwin, Ashley Brown, Bradford Craig, Andrew Hahn, Alexander Hyacinth, Ryan Nantel, Mike Philbrick, and Phoebe Untermann. We had additional production help this week from Adrian Zulueta. Special thanks to Jackson Agello. We'll talk to you Monday, kiddos.